Support for Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. You're confident when it comes to your work and life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same confidence when it comes to refinancing your existing mortgage or buying a home. It lets you understand all the details so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. Go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, June 15th, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I am your host, Sean O'Reilly, and joining me in studio is the only man that can talk fluidly about professional soccer and energy and material stocks, Mr. Taylor Muckerman. Not all port, not all professional soccer. Just Portugal. <laughs> Just Portuguese soccer, yeah, and occasional World Cup games. Um, and uh, your lovely wife is, of course, of Portuguese descent. Yes. It's awesome. And gosh, what... Oh my, your wedding was there. It was there. Yeah. Yes, almost a year ago. Epic July party, 2nd. yeah. I remember when you came back, you had a tan and a big smile on your face, and you had said you married the woman of your dreams. Yes. Yeah. Still. And you still believe that. Because <laughs> well, she's listening. No, she do- I don't know. She doesn't listen. She doesn't whenever listen to Whenever I pot- do... Um, I'm crushed. Whenever I do uh, Market Minute or whatever it is on Amazon, on the, on the yeah. Echo, she'll she listen that. to that. But that just because I'll come minute. home and I'll say, "Oh my God, Alexa, tell me my stock market news," and then uh, my voice will show up. Oh God, is that creepy? Like you do that over dinner and no, <laughs> no just when, that's the first thing I do when I come home if I know I'm on it. Um, so on today's show, we're talking about uh, the retirement of General Electric's Jeff Melt. Yeah, surprise uh, departure there. A little bit earlier than a little scheduled. bit earlier than people thought. Um, interesting trends coming out of the renewable energy investment space. Um, but first. Um, What's up with go, what's going on with Qatar and Saudi Arabia and oil markets and everything? Because uh, I didn't quite understand it at first. Well, so oil fell five percent in a day, and I was like, "What the heck, guys? You had an agreement." I don't know if it was necessarily all Qatar, but they're in the news because a consortium of Middle Eastern countries were pulling diplomats out of the country or speaking out in the news about uh, Qatar's. Sponsorship of terrorism um, financially, and I guess they house some terrorists in, in Qatar. But um, I'm not a foreign diplomat, but I do have some inclination to, to say that some of these other countries are sponsors of terrorism as well. So they're, going they're, out all in there. They're casting stones. Um, and you had another fun statistic. We have a bunch of people in Qatar. We do. It's um, it's like our, our forward Air Force base there in, in Qatar and uh, a big portion of our Middle Eastern intelligence community there. Uh, so they're all there, like not in... I think like over 10,000 U.S. troops and, and civil servants are based there. At I don't know, the, I can't remember the name of the air base off the top of my head, but it's the largest in the region. Wow. By far, yeah, yeah. Um, so we have some interest there, and uh, it, it, Qatar isn't necessarily. So I don't. That's why I don't think that it was um, influencing oil markets that badly in, in Qatar in particular, because it, it's more of a natural gas LNG producer mm-hmm. than it is an oil producer. Well, I just think that the market got jittery because um, Middle Eastern tensions. Sure, that's the word. Yeah, yeah. and they've all had this. Agreement, the mm-hmm. you know the OPEC, yeah, OPEC to cut supply, and anytime they're not the best of friends, everybody gets nervous, mm-hmm. and here we are. I mean, you're talking about a country who almost sixty percent of its GDP comes from oil and natural gas. Oh, I know, yeah. But then again, the bro- I don't have the exact number for natural gas, but I, I do know that it's the majority, yeah. of the fossil fuels that Cutter's producing. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, moving on, 
Mr. Amell, Jeff Amell, leaving mm-hmm. GE after 16 years, um, he of course took over for Jack Welsh. That was a big deal. Not only was Very it a big deal. deal, but it was at a big time in the world. Uh, it was right the same week as September 11th, 2000. Oh my gosh, are you serious? Uh, I'm dead serious. Wow. Yes. So he not only had to take over one of the largest companies in the United the States. The symbol of American Yeah, absolutely. Business, I mean. um, and ingenuity. And at, at one of the r- toughest times in U.S. history. But then he also had to lead this company through the great financial crisis, when at the time it was a massive important company in the financial world. It was deemed a systemically important financial institution, yes. which sounds insane. And so when you when you look at this company's performance in the stock market since he took over, it's vastly underperformed the Dow and the market, the broad S and P five hundred. But it was a little bit more exposed in the, the to the financial crisis than most other companies outside of the banking sector. I um I, I flipped through the annual report in the last I don't know, it was probably last week. Um and uh, I couldn't believe the number so in order to get out of the financial GE capital business they they they, they sold the operations, just assets, all the things they owned, everything. Mm-hmm. Um they've done just under like two hundred billion dollars worth of asset sales. And of course that was Tied to a lot of liabilities, mm-hmm. so I'm not, you know, saying, oh, they got a 200 billion dollar cash hoard. But bottom line, they moved around 200 billion dollars worth of stuff. Yeah, and that's and he, walking around money. Jeff that's, ML did that. Yeah. So granted, stock price might not have done that well over 16 years, but the company is dramatically different than it was. It's still making billions of dollars, and it's completely reinvented itself. To now, only about ten percent of its earnings are going to come from a financial portion of its business, not necessarily even GE Capital. So it's interesting to me. Um, one, I'm wondering if you planned this the whole time because this is a year after they moved to their new campus uh, mm-hmm. for their headquarters, and uh, they finally got out of the financial, the the yeah. GE Capital business. Is this what was plan was all along? Like what? I don't know if it was his plan all along. It certainly was their plan after after 2008, 2009, for sure. Um, yeah, and so now you've got this. Industrial behemoth, what it used to be essentially, um, got some healthcare exposure, but uh, some of its biggest businesses are are power and renewable energy. Power is twenty one percent of its revenue, um, roughly, and renewable energy is about seven percent. And then, just recently, I think to yesterday actually, the Baker Hughes merger was officially um, passed by the the regulators here in the United States. So. Unsurprising, it's free and clear. Yeah, it's free, yeah. free and clear. They can move ahead with that, um, and this is only a couple of years after they acquired Alstom from from France, um, and that dramatically increased their business in the power segment with offshore wind turbines, um, transmission equipment. I mean. It's they're a big player. So not only do they have a very decent foothold in renewables and just like if you if you need a an aircraft engine or a wind turbine for you know renewable sources or a gas turbine. Or so gas they had turbines. the gas turbine business. They bought Alstom. So now they have who had they the wind, who had the oh. wind. So now they've got gas and wind, which you can imagine is going to be both are going to be huge components of future energy production or, or power production for sure um, probably the two biggest at, uh, in the next couple decades yeah um, and 
I'm, I'm wondering what the calculus was there. I don't know if it was just more impressive or what, but um, this leads me to my next question that I just wanted to get your thoughts on, mm-hmm. which is uh, the guy taking over, John Flannery. Yeah, he's uh, almost. A, I don't know if he's a lifer, but he's been there he's, for it's, it's thirty years. Day, he's yeah. been there for thirty years. He's <laughs> yeah. a lifer, yeah, okay, um, but he's the uh, former head of GE Healthcare. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so for the last not, few years, yeah, it's not uh, it's not the turbine business, mm-hmm. but um, I also. I do tend to think of one of the more innovative things that GE's done in recent years has been the healthcare stuff because you see the, you know, the commercials like a GE MRI machine at a hospital mm-hmm. and he he actually went on record or this interview um, the other day and it was he's like you know I'm gonna uh, take the strategies that I use to turn around the healthcare business yeah and it was to the a pretty of, stagnant business right so um, that's kind of cool I'm very curious what. Uh, the strategies exactly are. Yeah, he has broad exposure. Um, like you said, healthcare was his latest experiment uh, as, as an employee of GE. He's been part of their equity business, their capital business, um, and he's very well respected within and, and outside of the firm. Uh, you, you've seen quite a few executives rush to his support saying, this is big shoes to fill, but it's right. the right guy to do it. Yeah, I couldn't help but notice it's probably good for Flannery. Um I don't know, mixed bag, possibly bad for uh, Melt, but uh, the stock was up a few percentage points. Yeah, I think it was up about 4%. I don't know if it was... Um, will they have uh, Tri-Am Partners? Um, Did they endorse it? Yeah. Uh, well, they were thinking that um, they support the moves that ML's been making and the company's been making, but they've been kind of itching for change in, in the management, and so maybe folks are just... Maybe more relieved. Mixing that things up. There's clarity, right? So the markets kind of appreciate clarity. That's actually, yeah, another good point. So. so, all right, before we move on, I wanted to once again inform our listeners that support for industry focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. With Rocket Mortgage, you can apply simply and understand fully so you can mortgage confidently. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com forward slash fool, equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, nmlsconsumeraccess.org number 3030. So, Mr. Muckerman. What's up? Very interesting report out of consulting for McKenzie just came Wood, out. Wood McKenzie. Wood McKenzie. Yeah, yeah, yeah big energy. Everybody calls him McKenzie. Yeah, Come I on. know. Well, big, big energy. Uh, Consulting firm there and it, research it, it's firm. like Booz Allen Hamilton. Everybody just calls it Booz Allen or just Booz. Yeah, Booz. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. Anyway, we're not going there. Um, so they came out with a report that says um, Big Oil, the uh, you know the guys that make the, the the carbon come out of the ground, right? Yeah. This is you know uh, they could shift more than a fifth of their drilling investments to. Renewable sources. Yeah, just a few years after many of them canceled all plans to invest in renewable energy. So, I actually want to get to that in a second, like with Exxon too, right? Exxon, Chevron, BP, Um, Shell. But of course, basically, we're talking about they're going to start investing in wind, solar, Mm -hmm. all kinds of good stuff. Um, And they're saying this could happen in the next two decades. Um, That actually seemed rather long to me given um, the recent advances in solar tech. But anyway, um, I actually really wish Tyler Crow, if you're listening, please call in right now Um, because he would, of course, bring. Up Total SA mm-hmm. right now, and the fact that they are—they're the French oil giant. And they own sixty percent of Sun. Majority Power owner of Sun Power, yeah. You know, um, what do you think when you saw this? 
Uh, I mean, it's 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 the movement going forward, and what we've seen is uh, these companies have had to write down their approved reserves over the last couple of years by double-digit percentages because of oil prices being so low. So, and once again, just for our listeners, we've done this in previous episodes, probably a year ago. Mm-hmm. But bottom line, um, approved reserves get. Uh, calculate based upon uh, how hard it is to get out of the ground, but two, um, the economics and the price yeah, per barrel. The likelihood at a marginal the, cost. Or... The, the SEC every year says you guys have to value this based upon the average price of oil mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. And it has not been high for three years. No. So, so since so... the summer of 2014, you've seen 15% of, uh, according to the Department of Energy, of proved reserves written off of the books. And it's because they're not economical. Reserves. Right. Yeah. yeah. At, at the prices that they right. were forced to uh, assess these at. Um, that, that being said, they still have access to this oil, but right. they just can't claim it on their balance sheet as an asset. Um, and, so, yeah. Um, so they have they have to do back. something. Tell me about what these oil companies did a couple of years ago. Just throwing in the towel on all this renewable stuff. What happened? Um, yeah, I mean, we you've saw, you saw Chevron, you know, abandon renewables in 2014. BP in the wake of uh, the Macondo spill. Uh, they sold off some of their solar assets between 2011 and 2013. They dropped their they sold brief off moniker a, Beyond Petroleum. Yeah, they did. They sold How long off. Did they a, have that three years. I don't know the exact time frame, but it wasn't long. Um, and and so they sold off some of their solar, um, if not all of their solar business. They pulled back on the spending almost entirely. They did keep a, a very big portfolio of wind farms. In I was the about United to say, States. don't they have a bunch of wind farms? Yeah, yeah. it might be the biggest. Don't quote me on Offshore. the biggest, but it might be the biggest, one of the biggest in the United States, spread across multiple states. Um, so they didn't sell that, but they weren't. In, these companies weren't investing new money right. into renewables. Um, and Shell did the, Shell did something similar, but uh, now they're all not all of them, but a good swath of them are coming back. I remember. Um Thinking distinctly a couple of years ago when um, you know we first started doing the show and everything, and um, Exxon's decision, you know, to just literally stop investing in all of that, mm-hmm. and um, not only that, but just keep that dividend going even through the downturn that mm-hmm. we've seen for you know two three years now. It felt. I don't think I'm reaching here with this analogy, but it felt a little bit like Altria Group or something. Just like we have this business, it's profitable right now. It's probably not going to be here in a hundred years. We don't know. Well, if you look at the reserves, these companies only have twelve to fifteen years right. of reserves even there, and so, they're not finding it at the same rate that they used to. We're just gonna do right by our shareholders and buy back stock or pay back in huge dividends and see how long we can keep the party going. Like I don't know. It's, yeah. Well, Exxon's going to have to hold itself accountable now that shareholders voted to um, for them to do a deep dive into whether or not. They've been honest about climate change and its impact on the company. That's fun. Yeah. What? Um, it's always tricky when you're a business because you have to make the decision of what should I return this money that is in you know where the fiduciaries for to the shareholders and they'll invest in the renewable energy sources or do we think we can get above average returns on capital by keeping the money ourselves well that's uh, the trust you put in the company you're investing in i don't necessarily blame exxon for making the decision they did cuz in order for let's just pretend you're an exxon shareholder yeah. and you know we're both exxon shareholders what internal rate of return would you need 
with a reasonable amount of certainty from them to let them keep the money and invest in something renewable. I don't have a number off the top of my head. I mean, it'd have to be, but they don't know what they're doing, so it'd have to be higher. Well, also, right? <laughs> at the time, they have the heaviest needle in oil and gas, right? So, because it takes big projects to to move that needle for them, which is why they cast it aside. Because at the time, solar wasn't viable. It wasn't. It wasn't a cost effective. Wind was really just starting to get off the ground and. So they just didn't. It was a long tail project, right? Versus some of these projects in the oil and gas, where they they can get a pretty decent return within the within a few years. Do you um? So Mackenzie, do you think that they're doing? Okay, let's just pretend Mackenzie's right, and in ten years, oil and gas companies are investing twenty percent of their. Well, um, I mean, Shell says by the end of this decade, so by twenty twenty, oh, they'll be investing up. up a billion dollars per year in renewables. I mean, it pales in comparison to the 25 billion they spend every year. But it's still, I mean, from going from nothing a few years ago to a billion dollars by 2020, it's a pretty good move. Um, and as you mentioned, Total, very serious about it. Uh, Stat Oil, big player in offshore wind, kind of utilizing their offshore oil technology and know-how to uh, operating in these rough environments to then turn that into. Um, the ability to generate wind power offshore. So, I mean, these companies are doing it, but for having only one dollar for every five dollars spent on oil moved towards renewables, it, it seems it, low, doesn't it, it? It does seem low, and that. So, if they spend three hundred fifty billion over the next twenty years, that'll get, Wood McKenzie says that that'll get wind and solar to six and a half percent of total global energy production. That's. Incredibly low. Yeah, and they say over that same time period they'll likely spend one and a half trillion on oil and gas. Man, you know, I I came in here, you know, wondering if there'd be a time when we stop thinking of Exxon and you know Shell and everybody as um, oil and gas companies mm-hmm. and as energy and, and just energy companies. And um, it seems to me like you know with with the statistics like that, it's a long ways off. Well, then that's why. Um, well, they, I think they said it. Wind and solar only account for about one percent of total energy this year. Right. So, I mean, it's six x improvement uh, from one to six and a half. But um, it's over a fifth of a century, though. I mean, this is <laughs> twenty. I mean, yeah, I know, but it's only one percent, and we've been and the world's been around for Lord knows how long. So, uh, uh, we've been producing energy from fossil fuels for quite some time. Right. So they've got a step ahead. Um, but turn it back to the previous discussion. That's why I really like GE. Might be my favorite company right now to. Look at their energy exposure. They just got rid of the the GE capital shackles. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. And with the Alstom integration, they said that that's ahead of pace. And if they can if they can do the same thing with Baker Hughes, they'll have exposure to more exposure to oil and gas, and they have the long tail exposure to natural gas, wind power, and and solar power. Very interesting. Diversified with healthcare, which is also an industry. Not necessarily. I don't know a whole ton about GE's healthcare arm. We need to get Christine Hart. We do, um, but if you if you look at biotech and um, healthcare equipment, surgical equipment, those industries are, are are very well favored by long-term investors. For sure. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you for your thoughts as always, Mr. Muckerman. Yeah. Cheers, man. You too. 
And that is it for us, folks. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for the Technology Show with Dylan Lewis. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. And as always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on! <laughs>